talk about how your identity or sense of identity can be preventing you from healing and making the changes you need to make in your life. I really like this topic because um, it took forever for me to understand it for myself. And you guys might hear the Lost Boys in the background because we are watching that in my household right now. So if you hear it, that's what the noise, that's what that is. I also have a free PDF. It's like a really short book um, about this subject as well. If you contact me, I'd be happy to send you a free copy to your email. So your identity is basically like the skill of how you perceive everything in relation to you. And it has its own narrative to back up what identity you're taking on. It's going to have its evidence. Your ego is going to look for evidence to support that sense of identity that you have. And that's going to fuel your belief system, what emotions you're going to let yourself get attached to. And ultimately, it's going to guide into what type of action or lack of action you're going to take in your life. And it all comes back to the sense of identity that you're involved in. And I want to speak it in that way because when we come to understand this, we will realize we have the capability to change our sense of identity at any time to something more serving of us. So for example... If I have an identity that I'm supposed to be this type of person at the core, um, like let's say, for example, I'm a religious person, everything is going to then be filtered in my life to support me playing that religious role. And anything that could even remotely be a threat to the way that I see myself as a religious person is going to become... Um, something that I'm going to push away and I'm going to look for evidence to support the fact that I'm a religious person and it's going to be really hard to branch out of that identity if I'm like super attached to that belief system that supports that identity where everything else that counteracts it is, you know, an enemy. Another example could be like, let's say your identity is made up of all your wounds, your story. Like, for an example, if you ask Leslie, you know, can you tell me about your life? Can you tell me how you became a medicine woman? It's like nearly impossible for me to explain that without retelling the story of all the trauma and wounds that contributed to that for the longest time anyways. And by doing that, my identity was always still stuck with the seeds of these trauma and it was like retelling the story was like re putting fuel and energy to these things of the past and they were so interwoven into the sense of who Leslie is and why she's quote qualified to be medicine woman so in that aspect it was hard to fully embody my calling because it felt like it was so built on such a wounded foundation that the challenge became, how can I tell my story of who Leslie is or how she became a medicine woman without 
all the trauma and pain? Like, is it actually necessary? Am I really qualified just because these bad things happened to me? I had to realize that there is a way for me to heal even around my calling um, to where I can recreate a healed foundation and speak of how I became a medicine woman and why I'm qualified without retelling all those stories. So what happens is if you have an identity that's very enmeshed with trauma and the stories of it, then somewhere in your field, you're unable to let go of the energetic charge of those memories. And your identity will naturally always refer back to, well, this happened to me and this person did this. And it becomes more challenging to quote Hill when we can't actually share our past without always pointing back to these wounds. I don't know if I'm making sense. Um, I'm slightly under the weather. (laughs) I like got a cold. It's like a bad cold. And it's interesting because I do understand the spiritual creation of why I have this cold. And it was literally because I was doing a journey because I do like journey work. And it told me that it wanted me to walk away from corporate like now. And I was like freaking out because I'm like, well, I'm not ready. I still have to do X, Y, and Z. And it was like, no, now I like, you got to stay home and like focus on other things. And I was resisting that because that felt scary. Like I need my exit plan that literally my body created a sickness. It's lasted like three and a half days now. And it's bad, like fever, chills, um, just so that I can't return. (laughs) because it's literally because I'm like trying to run away or I'm trying to make something my timing when my essence has already like told me like, no, we're doing this now that my body's actually created an illness just to force me home to actually do what I need to do. So by the way, like your calling or your path will bring you to a place of submission. You can only stray from it for so long. And so the good side of that is you're always going to return back to whatever path you've agreed to walk, um, Because even though we can take different avenues and explore different things in life, there's always like a certain path though. It's like a, its own frequency that's going to be consistent in our life. Despite how much we explore, we're always going to come back to this place of center. So anyways, um, I'm not always as sharp with my words when I'm ill, but my psychic abilities are like super heightened and I don't really understand that, but it is. So it's like... I will talk to people and there'll be some, you know, they'll be talking to me about their life and the blockages they're having, having, and like, they'll tell me, well, this is my ideal life and this is what my ideal life looks like. And then this is why I feel like I can't have that. And it always comes back to this identity where either they're worried that somehow that doesn't fit with what they've been telling the world. And so now they're scared, like, oh, I've always rejected and like talked shit on this. And then now I'm like being led that way that I I just feel like I can't because now I'm gonna look like a hypocrite or um, people are gonna think, oh, well, that's not authentic to me. Or, you know, I'm a religious person and like my family or the church or society is not gonna be able to handle it. And I don't know if I can handle them not handling it. And it always comes back to this, who they believe they are kind of thing. And, whether it's the spouse isn't going to understand, um, 
you know, finances, <laughs> reality of finances is not going to understand, right? Um, or it, it just comes down to like people being scared to try something new or explore something outside of their container because they just assume, well, I don't, I'm not going to be good at that because that's not my identity, right? Um, I'm going to be being someone that I'm not if I go explore that. Well, that's all because you've agreed on your identity and you're building your whole life through the filter of that identity. And that's why it feels that way. So what we come to understand is that by holding on to one identity, we are limiting our ability to create as creators. And one of the, the most amazing things about the work that I've done uh, with myself is that I'm continuously on a journey to create more freedom for myself. And part of that freedom has looked like I can pick up any identity I want so that I can create better, bigger, more creatively. I can create more serious. I can create more deeper. I can create more shallow. Like whatever it is, it allows me the freedom of since I'm not holding on tight to one identity, I can explore avenues without all the filters, pressure, self-judgment or worry about other people's judgment and that in itself is freeing and you would be amazed at when you give yourself permission to do this and you go ahead and confront all the fears of why you can't have x y and z or why you can't be x y and z you learn that some of this stuff you would have never thought to try or explore you actually really like and you end up finding out like you actually have a lot of talent there you're good at it people are really receptive to you um You'd be amazed at how many people you thought you're going to lose or going to judge you end up cheering you on later. Like at first they might be kind of silent because they're really observing you, you know, and you're acting out the norm. And it's like, you know, what's gotten into Janice and like what's going on with Susie and Charles and like, but then they're going to keep watching you. And if you continue on this exploration of self, of changing out identities, trying new things, and being committed to being courageous, you'd be surprised at how many people end up coming back around and supporting you because people actually love courage. They love authenticity. People, I meet people all the time, and one thing that a lot of people share in common is that they don't feel free in some shape or form, and they wish they X, Y, and Z. They wish they were more this. They wish they could, you know, people almost envy I don't know if envy is the right word, other people who are free. They're, they almost are like, you know, I wish I could be more like that. And they may not openly share it all over social media, but it comes out a lot of times when I'm working with clients that they actually admire that about other people um, because there is something special about that. And sometimes you have your own unique essence, right? It's its own frequency. Like you can get six other females that look just like me and put us all in the same room and maybe we even have a couple of things in common like maybe we're all medicine women maybe we're all artists maybe we're all writers but we're all going to feel different like if you actually pay attention and not just look at the surface level of people and you pay attention to how they feel and how you feel around them you realize that everybody has something very unique right? So somebody who has met Leslie before and understands how I feel is going to be able to pick me out of the crowd of the people who look just like me because of my own signature essence. 
So when you come to realize this, you see that your essence is very unique. It's very special. And it's, it's already kind of decided that there's things it wants to create in this lifetime. And it just needs your permission to actually come forward and express itself. And when we give it permission to not be attached to an identity, it can lead us into places we never would have thought to go in that are so rewarding and it's so big and there's so much growth. And for example, if you um, have the identity of somebody who's sick, like you're sick, you keep dealing with a lot of um, stomach issues, ulcers, cancer, migraines, um, being anemic, blood problems, uh, just being tired all the time, lethargic. The essence of you is not actually sick, right? That's what you've embodied on a mental, spiritual, mental, uh, emotional, and physical level because the physical level is the manifestation of what began as a emotional, spiritual, and mental imbalance, right? So your essence, though, is eternal and it's soulful. So it's not attached to that uh, pain body or the addiction body. So if you keep identifying with your pain and the illness, which is very, it's hard to not do that when it's like very in your face, like you're dealing with pain, it's in your, you know, but when you realize that there is a way to actually detach from the identity and let your essence lead you into like, say an identity of being healed from that pain and you stop feeding that consciousness into the pain body and start focusing more on the healing body. And again, in the beginning, this is gonna be difficult because it's not gonna feel natural. It's gonna feel like a lot of resistance, but um, there is a way to separate from that pain body to change your way of consciousness into embodying more of the healed body. Whatever you focus on the most is what's gonna to continue to grow. So my challenge, um, just literally like two years ago and a little bit of last year was every time I got a migraine, instead of panicking of, oh my gosh, I'm in pain, I got a migraine, I had to start training myself. <clears throat> How do I overcome this migraine by focusing on, I feel well, I feel well, I refuse to let my pain disconnect me from source. And that I kept having to like say that and pray and emotionally create a shift, even though there was physical pain occurring until literally I started to outgrow the migraines to where the pain was starting to become very small. Um, and this took a lot of conscious work and it took a lot of inner emotional shifts and it took a lot of, I no longer want to identify as a girl who has migraines. I want to be a girl who's free of migraines. And so I started working on how can I literally pull that pain body out of my identity? And guess what? My migraines quit coming. I'm no longer creating migraines. I found a way to readdress the imbalance that was creating them to begin with. Um, that's something that I work with people on, by the way, if you want like more help or like if that seems really vague and you need more concrete tangible, even scientific um, ways of doing that or explanations, you can always contact me because I, okay, so I know like a lot of people are scared of spiritual woo-woo. So, and I can be too, just because like I, I'm somebody who has a lot of psychic revelations. And so sometimes I feel better trying to find a science 
that backs it up so that I can help decipher, especially when I was younger, like that this is not just in my head because I was really scared of that. Like, what if I'm just crazy and I'm just like in my head and like playing this placebo effect on myself all the time. And so I started looking at actual physics and chemistry and science. And there's so much there that backs this up that I was like, okay, even if you don't believe in anything spiritual and you're not a spiritual person, there is so much evidence and universal laws that prove that this is real and that we're capable of doing this. So first, you know, we got to understand like, is our identity wrapped up in our paint body? Is our identity wrapped up in our wounds? Is our identity limiting us and figuring out if that is something we want to change? And let's say I'm going to change my identity to something else. Now the question is, what is my new narrative? What kind of emotions would I be attached to if to support this new identity? What type of actions do I need to take? And who am I if I'm this new identity? And by doing that, you're creating the physical manifestation of that new identity. So if I'm somebody who is healed from physical pain, well, what would a healed person look like? Well, she's probably somebody who drinks lots of water. She's probably someone who exercises. She's probably someone who makes time to connect with family and friends and like children and like being present with people, right? Because when you're in pain, like with me back in the day when I suffered from migraines all the time, it was like hit or miss. I never knew if I was going to wake up feeling well. So I didn't know if I was going to be able to keep my plans with people or if I was going to have to cancel a lot of times I couldn't enjoy my family or friends or even my kid because I would literally be in bed all day with a migraine. So it was like, okay, so I need to start working on taking better care of my body, <clears throat> exercising, spending more time with my family. Uh, a healthy person is probably thinking about healthier things, right? So I'm doing my shadow work, but I'm also readdressing my consciousness to more positivity and um abraham hicks i love abraham hicks she's great at working with manifesting and emotional shifts uh you can find her all over youtube but i started looking at that you know or like what's the identity of you know a wealthy person someone and by wealthy i mean like you're not living paycheck to paycheck and denying yourself of things that you desire eating good food right Well, a wealthy person's not someone who stresses about money all the time. They're not focused on lack. They're more easygoing because they don't have as much worry when it comes to stuff like that. They um, let themselves have the $5 Starbucks coffee when they feel like it without feeling guilty or pressured. So like making those emotional shifts of embodying the new identity, even though it hasn't physically manifest uh, in your reality, you're embodying it on an emotional, spiritual, mental level first, which creates the physical manifestation. So when you say, I'm never going to get over this, I'm never going to be able to heal from this, I'm never going to be able to open my heart, I'm never going to find love again, well, that that's the identity that you're holding on to. You're attached to that. And you're like, well, of course I'm attached to it because look, I have all this, quote, evidence. I got this history. I've got proof right here of why that's true and that's the point because that's the identity you're attached to it is going to manifest all the evidence it's going to come with the narrative so that's the whole point is um being able to realize and recognize this and then asking yourself okay how can i choose something better 
And for me, I was very scared of spiritual bypassing or compartmentalizing things. So I made these shifts while still doing shadow work to understand why my old identity chilled with me for so long. Like, why was I in that pain body for so long? So I did work to try and understand it so that I could really let it go and like find closure because I'm, I'm somebody that's like that. Like it's hard for me to move forward if I feel like I still don't understand something, right? And a lot of times with pain and trauma, we're, it's like there's like a mystery. We feel like there's this mystery to understand something about that pain. Um, because what's really happening is it's not actually about what happened. It's about what changed inside of you. It's about what became different within you and you're trying to understand like that. And sometimes that's one of the reasons we can't let go of the identity of trauma wounds in the pain body is because we're still looking for something, whether it's some type of answer or understanding or closure. And uh, sometimes it's hard to give yourself the closure if you still don't understand what the mystery is. So I had to do that route to really shift into my new identity. But the point was I was doing at least both. And um, in that way, I was able to move forward and grow and give myself permission to explore stuff without having so much resistance and self-sabotage. Because if you try to create a new identity and you're still carrying all the thought patterns of your last identity, then it's going to create some resistance because you're, you're going to get caught up in a lot of self-judgment. Like the truth is the new identity is going to feel uncomfortable. Your nervous system will resist it. It is going to make you feel all sorts of feelings and questioning because you're in a new territory. And that's all that it is. It's just new territory. It doesn't mean you don't belong there. Um, you might go through it and decide, okay, this is not what I want. But at least you had the courage to explore and figure that out, you know, and to see what treasures and gifts and experiences that it did offer you. And it will offer you that. And um, then you can, you can sit there and tweak it. You know, you can make shifts. So when you are not attached to single identity, you become more like the infinite channel. You are full of possibilities. There's all different types of timelines that you can live and create. And you can start identifying, well, what's my highest timeline for my highest good? What is the timeline that is most fulfilling to me? And a lot of times it's not always what we think it's going to be. So that's why it has to be like soul led, essence led to understand what that is, what it looks like, because your essence knows, your higher self knows, uh, what is actually fulfilling to you. And, um, and it, it, there's always this encouragement that instead of waiting for the it to arrive to feel good, start creating the feeling first. Embody the feeling of feeling good or relieved or loved or whatever it is first before the it actually arrives. And in that way, you're actually in the alignment and flow of manifestation to actually receive that. And there's less resistance. Resistance is like a really big deal because sometimes we don't even consciously understand how much resistance our energetic field, our nervous system, and our unconscious, subconscious fields is working uh, against us with that resistance, right? Because if your nervous system says, oh, that's not safe, uh, wealth is not safe for me, love is not safe for me, uh, growth is not safe for me, then it's going to reject 
those opportunities. It's going to sit them away because it's going to create more of a nervous shock or anxiety or you feel uncomfortable. You feel like maybe it's dangerous. It's going to react in a way where it energetically blocks out these opportunities, love, growth, wealth, because it thinks it's not safe. So understand your nervous system is not going to act joyful at first. And that's, again, the point is you're working and healing and you're expanding that bubble. You're expanding your nervous system to embody a new container, a new territory where your genius can really unravel. Um, and so understand that being uncomfortable and having anxiety, like that's part of this process. But the reward is like great. It really is. It's so great. Uh, it's worth it. Uh, so that that's just, you know, my little tangent on that. Um, that's one of the reasons why I don't do tarot card readings. I'm not knocking it for nobody else. But one, I don't need it because I can see. So I can see people without the cards. I can see what's going on in their lives without cards. But the biggest reason is because I don't like to look into my future. I don't like to know what my future is. I hardly ever let someone read my cards because if I hear what's coming in my future, I allow my unconscious, subconscious, and my shadow to instantly start resisting it. Because like, oh, this is coming, and instantly there's this resistance, and it's sometimes not even conscious. And then somehow we like prevent all the great stuff that the cards said were gonna come, or the reading said it was gonna come. We, we end up preventing it from coming to our life because we're resisting it because we already know about it. So that's why, um, trusting the universe is important about divine timing with, with everything in your life because it understands that if it surprises you, you have less resistance. Um, if it says, you know, like, I don't know how to explain it per se. I encourage you to explore all of this. This is just my opinion. But um, sometimes it's good not to know everything. Sometimes it's good not to know all the details um, because then we can't self-sabotage it right? We can't push it away. Uh, so when we're in um, alignment with our essence, uh, we realize that we're free of identities and it really becomes a choice of which identity you want to partake in. And sometimes we need to change that in order to actually reach the heights we want to reach or achieve the things we want to achieve or be the person we want to be. And um, so, yeah. If you want the free book, just uh, get a hold of me through Facebook or email me. I am super congested, so I'm going to get off here. But I hope you guys have such a great weekend. And if you have any questions, uh, yes, know I'm here to help.